Well, uh, uh, I guess we can't skip that part. That's a pretty good one. Uh, so Galatians chapter 2 is where we'll be uh, reading at this morning. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, and we will start with verse 11. Uh, following up uh, last week, we stopped at verse 10. If you will, when you get to Galatians 2.11, if you would please stand to pay reverence to the reading of the Word of God. <clears throat> Galatians 2, verse 11, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him, face, withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly, according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew, living, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, not, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loveth me and gave himself for me. I did not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for allowing us to assemble here together this morning. We thank you for this book, the book of Galatians. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we continue to expound it and use it in a way that's uplifting to you. Lord, I pray that we do all things in accordance to thy will. Continue to bless us, continue to guide us, direct us, watch over those that are hurting this morning. Watch over those that are serving in different ways. We thank you for this church. We thank you for his many blessings. And Lord, I thank you uh, for allowing me to stand behind a stand this morning and profess the love of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. You can be uh, seated this morning. Now, in this uh, particular piece of Galatians, I, I find it very interesting that we see a, a kind of a sharp turn. Uh, we see that Paul is writing this letter and he's expounded on their issue. He's expounded on his credentials. He's expanded up on his calling. Uh, he's even went and sought out counsel and encouragement, what we covered last week on going to these men that he did not know. But we get to verse 11 in the book of Galatians chapter 2, and you see a very swift change in Paul's demeanor and what he's writing about. Uh, he's giving about all these different things, and I would like to think the church at Galatia looked up to Peter in so many ways, and I almost see this as a very small roll call to the church of Galatians and calling out some even mistakes that Peter was making. And, you know, I could preach a lot of messages just on the amazing things that Peter did, and, and most of us know a lot of the things that Peter did. He walked on the water, uh, he, he, he cursed out Christ three times before the cock crew, uh, 
uh, crowed. He, he was called the Cephas, which was the rock of the church. He was going to build upon what he said and believing that Jesus Christ was Lord. And, and we know that Peter is a huge uh, a character of the New Testament. And we, we know that and we can understand that. But when Paul approaches Peter, he calls him out. And I find that very interesting. You know, I've seen and heard uh, certain people called out in the church. And I want you to know something. <laughs> in the church, uh, sometimes the church does not like that. Uh, sometimes people get offended <laughs> when people are corrected. And uh, we see here, <laughs> excuse me with this coughing, but Paul uh, has to call out Peter. <laughs> but when, I was, when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. That's what, that's what Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. Uh, Paul was wrong, so I needed to go to him to his face <laughs> because he was the one to be blamed. And before, before that, <coughs> certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. What does that mean? That means that Peter was two-faced. Did I shut off? I think my, my batteries are dead. Nope, still working. I'm on there now. <laughs> and uh, he, he withdrew himself. I might apologize for them sitting out there for the last 10 minutes for nothing. But he, he withdrew himself, and he had all these different issues. But we see that before, before this certain time was James, he did eat with the Gentiles. Now, what happened was Peter was enjoying himself with the Gentiles. Peter was eating with them. Peter was doing all these different things. But when James sent some people over to check out what was going on, what did Peter do? He said, well, uh, here comes the Jews. I'm a Jew. Uh, I, I need to stop what I'm doing. And it keeps dying. It's dead. It's not going to keep going. He, he can come sit on the edge. I won't, I won't approach him. But... <laughs> but we, we know that there is an issue. We know that there is a problem. And what they did was they separated themselves. And Peter became somebody that was two-faced. He really was. He was two-faced. And that was, that's very, very ugly about what Peter had became, but that's what he was. He became somebody that was trying to be uh, acting like he was good buddies with the Gentiles. I'm going to sit down and eat unclean food with you. Uh, everything is great and wonderful. Uh, but then I'm also going to go over here. The Jews are back. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm only eating kosher food now, guys. So trust me, I've not been eating with the Gentiles. So he became a two-faced person. And what had happened was the Gentiles saw it. The Gentiles, which were unclean, unJewish people, saw that Peter was pretending to accept them. And that's what Peter had done. Uh, Peter had said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm good with you guys. This is great. Let's go around town eating, having fun. Oh, here come the Jews. It was fake. Peter, Peter, the guy that followed Jesus for three and a half years was his, was his right-hand man. We went with him, walked on the water, was, my goodness, so pivotal in the faith. Two-faced. Now, I want you to know something about the big people within certain churches. If they're called out like this, buddy, it'd get bad. Y'all know. You've been in church very long. There's important people in church sometimes. Boy, if they're called out on something that they're doing wrong, they don't like it. I tell you what, if you called me out on something that I'm doing, I probably wouldn't like it neither. <laughs> if you caught me doing something, Zach, you really didn't have very nice things to say to that visitor. You, you really didn't go out of your way to make them feel welcome. Well, yeah, it probably hurt my feelings. I'm not calling any of y'all out. I'm calling as much as myself out. Peter was called out by Paul. 
Paul, this guy that was struck blind with the Damascus Road, had a totally different situation, had came to seek comfort and approval from them. It turns a pivot point, and Peter says, and, Peter, and Paul looks at Peter and says, hey, this ain't right. I know I came here to get your blessings, Peter, but I done seen what's going on here. This is not right. For they had believed at certain times that it eat with the Gentiles. In verse 13, and other Jews disassembled likewise with him. What was Peter doing? Peter was taking a very negative and I'll say wrong thing and it had rubbed off on the other Jews in the house. Okay? Peter was there and other Jews saw Peter. Peter being very pivotal in the faith. Being a pillar that it says in this same chapter. Peter was being rubbing elbows and being friends with the Gentiles. And we get here to this part and he changes tune and he says, I can't eat with you guys. Other Jews saw it. The other Jews saw this is Peter has decided that he will not do these things, that I will go over here and, and I'll pretend that I'm a certain part of the faith. And, and before all these things, everything was going great, but Peter decided that he was going to back up and change. He affected all the other Jews in the room. Y'all realize what Peter did? Peter was a pivotal figure and he took the wrongness of what he was doing, and it affected everybody else. You can too. You can too. As a Christian today, you can take things that you think are right. Peter probably thought he was doing right in so many ways. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend to accept these guys, but uh, if uh, the Jews come around, I can't be a stumbling block, so I need to go over here and pretend. Nope. That's not how it works. It's Jesus. And we'll get to that in a minute. But what Peter had made it was it was Jesus and everything else. Jesus and the law, if certain people were around. And he didn't want to upset James. He didn't want to have certain things go back to James. And you know what? You know what he's over there doing? Peter's over there eating honey baked ham. <laughs> Peter is over there eating shrimp. And that is not right with the law. Peter is doing this and that. I don't know what Peter was doing. It doesn't highlight exactly what he was doing, but he was doing something that was not right with Jewish customs. I don't know if he was out there picking corn on the Sabbath. I don't know if he was doing certain things. I don't know. We're going to get to all those problems in a minute from the Old Testament. But he saw these things and he backed up and they all disassembled. The Jews even backed up. Barnabas also went with him. And, but, when he, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly, in verse 14, according to the truth of the gospel... I said unto Peter, I like this now, understand what it says here, look at it. It says, I said unto Peter before them all. What does that mean? I think Paul got up in his face and he got a little loud. In front of everybody. That's right, praise the Lord. Hey, y'all think y'all would like it? Mm -mm. Y'all think Peter liked that? Nope, didn't like it at all. But this is what he said to Peter. If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Brother, why are you going to go around living like Gentiles, doing everything like a Gentile, or pretending you're a Gentile, everything's hunky-dory, and then you expecting the Jews to act like Jews and not act like Gentiles? Why are you going to be two-faced? <laughs> In front of everybody. And we who are Jews by nature and not <coughs> sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man 
man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. What he's trying to tell Peter Peter, it doesn't matter anything about that law and those Old Testament commandments. You can get out any kind of scripture, any kind of manuscripts you want. You can pull out Jewish books. Uh, I don't care, Peter. All that stuff is hogwash because we have been justified. It has been perfected. We know that all of them are gone. And you say, Zach, you're using picking corn on the Sabbath. Zach, you're, you're using eating honey baked ham or, or shrimp or eating some catfish or, or different things like that. It's even beyond that. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 20. There's some real good scriptures for us to understand Old Testament law. And there are people today that only lean on the Old Testament. There are preachers that only preach Old Testament. And that's really sad. Uh, yeah, I preach from the Old Testament a lot, but guess what? I know that there's a New Testament. And most of the time, I'll turn it into something about the New Testament eventually. You have to let me get there. But the Old Testament's there for a reason. I want you to understand what it says in the Old Testament. It says in Leviticus 20, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying again, Thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth unto any seed unto Malek, what does it say? He shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. In verse 3, it continues to say, And has set my face against that man and will cut off him among the people because he hath given him of his seed and to elect to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do anyways, hide their eyes from the man when he giveth of his seed unto Malek and kill him not. It goes on to say this, They will cut him off and all that he is do is whoring after him do commit whoredom with Malek from among their people. We jump up. A little bit further down, verse 9, For he, for everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to what? Death. Verse 10, And the man who committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, and the adulterer and the adulterer shall what? Shall surely be put to death. What does it say here over and over? In verse 13, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with womankind, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall be what? They shall be put to death. It goes on over and over and over. And the results of breaking the law in a lot of instances is what? It's death. And if a man shall take his sister, in verse 17, his father's wife, and it goes on down, what's going to happen to these people? They're going to be put to death. They're going to cover somebody's nakedness. They're going to be put to death. Exodus, Exodus chapter 21, verse 12, He that smiteth a man so that he die, what? Shall be put to death. Verse 14, But if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, thou shalt take him from mine altar, and what? That he may die. And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall surely be what? Put to death. I can keep going. <laughs> I've got them all here. The results of the law is death. The results of the law is punishment, and a lot of times, Exodus 35, 2, six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be unto you a holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever doeth work therein shall be put to death. Is that? Are you saying that if I get caught on the Sabbath, which is Saturday, according to the Jewish customs, Saturday, you could be working on Saturday, you could be put to death. 
Now, understand something. Peter was saying the law was still in effect. The Jews were saying the law is still in effect, but I'm also under the grace of God. I'm also under the grace that Jesus died for me, he saved me. But we still got to follow this stuff over here. Understand something about the wrongfulness of these things. In Numbers 151, And when the tabernacle set it forward, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up. And the stranger that cometh nigh, listen to this, the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. Zach, there's some pretty bad stipulations. Numbers 3.10, And they shall appoint Aaron and his sons, that they shall wait on the priest's office, and the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. Say, Zach, are you telling us, are you making a joke? No, I'm not making a joke. This is God's law. In Deuteronomy 13.6 and 9, it says, If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is in thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers. I'll explain that to you. If somebody shows up to you, they're your kinfolk, they're your brothers, they're your closest relatives, they say, hey, we're going to go down the road and we're going to worship something else. You know what God said to do? Verse 9. But thou shalt surely kill him. Say, Zach, that sounds tough. I'm telling you today that the law was tough. If you want to follow Old Testament law, you be my guest. If you want to follow some of the laws that God sets forth, if you want to break one of them, guess what? The New Testament says, or in plenty of places it says, you break one, you're guilty of them all. You're a sinner. I could keep going. The short theme here, something to get across to everybody that wants to follow Old Testament law, that wants to pull something out of the Old Testament and say that you have to do this. The law equals death. The law ministered death. No other man was more zealous about the Old Testament than who? Who do you think was the most zealous person we find in the Old Testament and the New Testament? It was Saul. Saul of Tarsus. And we know that Saul of Tarsus was struck blind. He had his name changed to Paul. And Paul here is facing a Jew face to face, confronting him about what he's doing about following Old Testament law. The man that knew it better than the back of his own hand he knew the law. He knew that they were to be killed if they didn't follow. He was going through killing Christians. He did not take any questions or excuses. But he says in Galatians 2.19, for, for I through the law am dead to the law. That's what he says. That I might live unto God. I want you to realize today that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are dead to the law. You say, Zach, why are you trying to say that for? I'm saying that you are a sinner. I could probably lay out the Ten Commandments and handpick one. I could lay through some of these Old Testaments where we had to kill you, stone you. Yeah, we all deserve to die. We all deserve death. Do you know what the Old Testament law, it is now not really a system. What we have to decide as Christians is if it's a system or a standard. Is it a system or a standard? It can be a standard, that's fine. But it can't be our system. Yeah, we can look in and say, yeah, we, we, we need to do these things. Most of them make sense. Almost every one of them is either a healthy, wise choice or something to honor God. Almost every one of them. 
we go back and look, hey, he said not to eat pork. Like, okay, that's, that probably makes sense for them, especially in these days, to not eat pork. It's very bad for you in their time. Hey, it makes sense to not eat this t- type of food because they probably couldn't store it well and it may kill you. Hey, you probably don't need to do this because that makes sense. Most of them make sense, but they were for God's people in the Old Testament in a different time. You say, Zach, times have changed. Amen. Jesus came. He has, he has blessed me. He has saved me. A Gentile understands something. You all Gentiles. I don't, I don't think there's a Jew in here. We all Gentiles. We are all born into sin. We don't have a, a certain mark. We don't have these certain things. All the law could do for Paul was condemn him. Lord, help us if all we do as a church is condemn people. And I've seen it. I have seen it firsthand where we condemn instead of love. Where we say that's not right instead of loving them. And all the Ten Commandments, all of them are repeated in the New Testament except for the Sabbath. Almost everything that was given as law is repeated again. And they're given as standards. They're given as these certain things. But I want you to know something. We have a new law in the New Testament. It's the law of love. And I can't preach that enough. I can't preach that enough because it is the law. It is Jesus. Jesus is love. All the law could do for Paul was condemn him. So what did he do? He accepted death. And said, the only thing that the law gives me is death. So I'm going to die to it. That's what Paul is saying in so many ways to the Galatian church and to Peter directly to his face. The only thing that that law has given me, Peter, is death. And guess what I've done? I've decided I'm dead to it. It ain't no good to me no more. And I needed the new love. I needed the new law of love in my life. That's what he said. And man, some of y'all may not like it, but that's what he said. I don't like it sometimes neither. Sometimes I like to be a little dogmatic. <laughs> sometimes I like to be a little uh, theology-based. Sometimes I like to, uh, my Baptist roots come out and I offend folks with some of my opinions. That's fine. You know, I know I make mistakes, but we look at Paul here. Paul hit it right on up. That gone head. Get rid of it. I'm dead to it. It's in the past. It's old. And he accepted death in a way. This is what he said. I'm going to put you, I put this in Zach Stone terminology for you to understand what, maybe what he said. I mean, it makes sense to me. He said, it killed me. I'm dead to it. Jesus gave me grace. I died and his grace resurrected me with him. I'm dead to it, and Jesus brought me right back up. Ain't it good to die with Christ and get rid of that old law and rise up and be a new creature with new life and with love? I am no longer bound to the law. We are not, church. We are no longer bound to the law. We don't have to follow Jewish traditions. We don't have to pull out 300 some odd rules and laws. We don't have to be subject to death when we're caught into adultery, when we're caught into this, when we're caught... We're not. Why? Because Jesus loves us. And Paul is trying to tell Peter this. And the last two things that I'll I'll highlight with this is 20 and 21. We see two things that he finishes up. We know that he's called Peter out. Peter, you can't have these opinions. Peter, they don't work. In Galatians 2.20 it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the law which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I see him grabbing Peter by the arm. I, well, I think Paul's hot. 
grabs him by the arm and says, Peter, it's not about the law. Peter, it's not about them customs. Peter, it's about Jesus. That's all it's about. That's what he wants us to know. Paul is just so overwhelmed, I think, because he knows it firsthand. Like I said, he's a Jew among Jews. He, he knows the law, and he knows that it's gone. It's over with. He's been struck blind. He's had a, a trip of a lifetime with Jesus Christ showing him what he needs to know when he goes to Peter. Hey, Peter says, yeah, everything you said's right. He's going to get Peter in a minute. And he got him. You know how many times I've been got in church? More times than I'd like to admit. <laughs> Boy, I've been slapped around studying the Bible. I've been talking to other Christians before, and they say something, be like, man, I don't think that's right. And I usually learned to keep my mouth shut a long time ago. Just keep our mouth shut. Don't be two-faced. Don't pretend like you love the Lord. Don't pretend like everything's all right. Don't think that your theology, hey, it's going to offend y'all, that's fine. Love the Lord. That's all it takes. We try to make it so difficult, and Peter was trying to live this double life. Oh, I'm a Jew. Uh, I'm also a Gentile. Uh, I'm going to pretend like I'm a Jew when the Jews are around. I'll pretend like it doesn't work. You just got to love the Lord. Paul had done accepted it 100%. He said, hey, I went to preach to the Gentiles. I'm just as, just as guilty as them. I've died to the law. I've been resurrected with Jesus. And in this scripture, I'm crucified with Christ, and he liveth in me. That's what justifies it. That's what makes him perfect. The life that I live now in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Peter, did you die for Jesus? No. Peter, did you? You live in this flesh? He lives for you and to save you from yourself and the law has nothing to do with it. The law didn't save me. It didn't. It didn't. The law did not save you. Galatians 2.21 I do not frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness come by the law that's okay, I'm going to offend some of y'all. Some of the people like to follow the law. If righteousness come by the law then Christ is dead in vain is what Paul says. He says, if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead for no reason. If Christ has died on a cross and you're still trying to make it there by being a good person, it ain't going to work. If you're trying to get there by having a sinless life, not going to work. <laughs> Peter, quit goofing around. <laughs> Peter, quit making these mistakes. Peter, quit showing these people the wrong way. Christians today, church today, quit telling people they've got to do certain things. They don't. I have been guilty a hundred times. I don't have to point nobody out. I point at myself. I have preached and taught Jesus and something else plenty of times. Well, preacher, you got to wear a suit and tie. I used to joke about that. <laughs> I wasn't joking. I was being serious back in them days. Heck, you got a polo on today. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Can we think about what the Word of God tells us? To love each other? To accept each other? Now, I'm not saying accept everything and say everything's okay. I'm telling you to love each other because Jesus loves us. To love people. We are either saved by the law or we are saved by grace. And I want you to know something. Ain't none of y'all saved by the law. I know enough, enough, enough about enough of you that the law ain't going to save y'all. 
<laughs> understand that. I ain't saying none of you are horrible people, but y'all broke the law. I can probably go through and we can pick out some scriptures. Well, looks like you're going to die today. <laughs> oh, looks like you deserve death. Uh, let's line up the stones. Might be first in line. I'm glad I ain't got to do that. Some of y'all grinning, some of y'all big eyed, some of y'all saying, Woo, that's, that's bad. Yeah. Paul meant business. When Paul was calling out Peter, he didn't go to him unprepared. He knew exactly what he was going to say. I think God inspired him to write this and tell us about this. We don't have to live like that. Jesus loves us. The veil, when Jesus was crucified in the New Testament, tells us that the veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. It was opened up into the most holies of holies when Jesus died. And we have a direct path to God now. Gentiles can come in. Jews can come in. Anybody that needs to come in can come in. We can talk to God. We can converse with God. We can have a relationship with God. If you're worried about your life and sin, you can take care of it yourself. You ain't got to go pay nothing, uh, exchange some doves, uh, make a sacrifice with the bull, uh, sprinkle some, some flour on something or other. I, I, oh, I can go through all this Old Testament law and like I done said, if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of them all. Who wants to do that? I didn't think so. Nobody wants to do that. You know why? Because Jesus loves us. And we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus loves us. Jesus indwells within us. Paul is trying to tell Peter, get rid of this stuff. You're justified, and you're justified because the Holy Ghost is within you. What better feeling do we have in our lives than to know that? As they get a verse of some song ready this morning, I can't think of a better situation to be in than knowing that I'm saved. Than knowing that Jesus loves me. Than knowing that He was crucified on a cross. That He gave His life for His Spirit to dwell within me and to give me direction and to give me choices and to give me a path. Today, a lot of us, I, I believe, if you're as guilty as me, and I've been in church long enough to know I've had plenty of opinions, but they ain't worth a whole lot. The Word of God tells us to love. To love thy neighbor as thyself. The two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart. The second one is love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said all the other commandments rest right on these. Everything in your life can be focused on love. We don't have to get rid of everything. We don't have to follow law. You say, Zach, you think we should just accept all of it? Nope. I didn't say that. I'm saying we should love folks. Love them. Love them. That's all Jesus did. He came and loved us, laid down his life for us so that we could live, not die to the Old Testament. As we stand, what page you got, sister? 177. Page 177.